after the sermon, we will respond by singing from Psalm 68 to stanza 6 and 9. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, when Isaiah wrote this prophecy, things looked quite bleak for the people of Judah. Politically, it was a very bad time. The powerful nation of Assyria was a menacing threat at that time. Judah's brothers and sisters, the northern kingdom of Israel, had already been defeated and taken captive. The other nations had wanted to form a coalition to fight Assyria together, but King Ahaz of Judah did not want to cooperate. Although Ahaz tried to make a pact with Assyria, it did not work. And so, humanly speaking, they were out of options. In the end, Jerusalem became under threat of siege by King Sennacherib of Assyria. And so now they've come to a dead end. Now what? And that's where things are right now here in this text. Things are looking bleak. No wonder that God's people are full of anxiety and that they are despondent. Who wouldn't be under those circumstances? Now, in the midst of all this uncertainty, Isaiah comes with this prophecy, and he focuses on the plight of Jerusalem. Although Jerusalem represents the dwelling of God and his people, this city and its people have been brought low and placed in a lowly and vulnerable position. Jerusalem, as such, is not really such a great city compared to all the other cities in the world. Jerusalem is located on a low hill within the central mountain ridge of Palestine. In the immediate vicinity of Jerusalem, there are many other hills which are higher than Jerusalem itself. To the north, Mount Scopus rises 200 meters above Jerusalem, and to the south is another hill which is almost 300 meters higher And to the east, the Mount of Olives is also almost 200 meters higher, as are the heights west of Jerusalem. In other words, no matter what direction you approach Jerusalem, it cannot be seen until you are on one of the surrounding heights. Other more powerful nations have much higher mountain ranges that you find in Israel. And that's also where they have the temples for their gods. It is those gods they call upon as they go to battle. But now listen to what God says about that lowly city of Jerusalem. He says that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. And shall be lifted up above the hills. How can it be? Is God actually going to lift that mountain up and make it rise out of the ground so that it will be higher than all the other mountains? Well, of course not. That prophecy was never meant to be literally fulfilled. This was meant symbolically. Isaiah says, in effect, that Jerusalem 
is going to become the most important city in the world. He paints a beautiful picture. What he is saying is wonderful. The great city of Jerusalem, which is about to be captured and destroyed by a nation much more powerful than they, will actually become the greatest city in the world. And you may ask, well, why is that so important? What's the big deal? What's so great about Jerusalem? Well, in the Old Testament, Jerusalem is the center of the worship of the Lord God, the creator of heaven and earth. That's where the sacrifices are made, which point to the great Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And therefore, Jerusalem, or Zion, ultimately refers to Christ and his church. Oh, sure, God's people in the worldly scheme of things are a lowly people. In the eyes of the world, the church of God is nothing. That was the case in the days of the Old Testament, and that's also the way it is today. In comparison to the world, we have little power and little influence. We're an insignificant lot of people. The powers of the world do not really reckon with the people of God. For the world does not recognize the greatness of Christ and of his people. And that is because they are full of their own importance. They are haughty and believe themselves to be self-sufficient. That's the way it was and will be to the end of time. People boast of their own greatness and think that they don't need God. Yet in God's hands, Jerusalem, God's people will rise above the rest. And that will be evident, will be most evident on the last day. Think about what we read in Revelation 21. In his vision, the apostle John wrote, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then John goes on to further describe its beauty and its peace, its splendor. So, brothers and sisters, this text is full of comfort. The church, God's people, may seem small and insignificant right now. But the reality is that this world would cease to exist if it weren't for God's church here on this earth. God is preparing his church for the final day when his people will dwell with him forever in eternal blessedness. For that reason, even in the midst of miserable circumstances and political opposition and maneuverings as we have experienced in the last few weeks from the various branches of government and the Supreme Court, in spite of these things, we don't have to be afraid. God will lift his people up. That's what the text says. He gave us his precious word, which is Full of hope for the future and for today too. Because of God's word that lives among us, we now already have a glimpse of the glory of Jerusalem. Because of the world, because of the word, the church is a light on a hill. For the church points to the light. To Jesus Christ. And because of him all people will scream to that light. 
And that is why the prophet also says that all nations will flow to it. Now, that's an interesting picture, isn't it? For when we picture something flowing, we think of something flowing from a high place to a low one. That's how gravity works. But here we see that the nations will flow in an upward direction. And that indicates the tremendous drawing power of the Lord our God. That's what happened at Pentecost as well, didn't it? People from all over the world were overpowered by the Holy Spirit. And they prophesied. They were drawn by God to that little church in Jerusalem. That was God's doing. But he also used people in order to bring that about. He used the disciples to come with the glory of his word. And from there, the word spread. God used the people of his little churches all over the Roman Empire to bring more and more to faith. And in this way, he lifted up his people. He made them into a great multitude all over the world. And God is continuing to gather his church. How exactly does he do that? Well, the text also tells us that. He says that out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. God's people are people of the law and people of the word. Now, what do you think of when you think of the law? Well, the law of God describes the relationship between two covenant partners, between God and man. God's law says that because of God's love for us, he also wants us to love him more and more than anything else in the whole wide world. He wants us to trust in him no matter what life may bring us. He wants to comfort us with the knowledge that we are his children forever and ever. And that nothing can separate us from his love. When you think about the law and the word of God. You have to think about the enormous power that goes out from God's word and from his law. Because his law is based on. On love. That's why we have to summary. Love God. Love your neighbor. Why? Because God loves us. In this way, the law also protects us. Protects us from our enemies. For when you love God above everything else, then you don't have to fear anything, do you? Then you don't have to be afraid. Then you can be at peace. This world, with all its boasting and its noisy insistence on its own way, will go astray and will be brought low. It will be brought into the lowest depths. And that is because they want nothing to do with God and his law and his word. And so, brothers and sisters, this morning, once again, we can celebrate. Isn't that wonderful? We can celebrate the fact that God... It makes his church, you and me, great. He lifts us up. And that's why he also wants us at his, at his supper table to remind us of his love 
through the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life, to remind us of his greatness and the greatness in which we may share. We can delight in God's presence. What a blessing to be a member of God's Jerusalem and to be lifted up as God's people. Amen.